Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, I want to say welcome to all of you at all of our churches this morning as we are in the final week of our series entitled Follow. And let me just say, if you're new to one of our churches here, whenever we talk about having a sermon series, what we do is we take one big idea from the Bible. And this series, this five weeks has been all about two words that Jesus said when he said, follow me. And what we do is we spend three or four or five weeks digging into what it means and how that applies to our lives. So if you haven't been here for any of this conversation, or maybe you meet, miss one or two of the weeks of the conversation, you can go online on our website, you can go to our app where you can watch, or you can listen to any of these conversations, because here's why this is so important, and we suggest that you go back. The idea behind this conversation of follow, it is a very, very important one, but it's a very challenging one for all of us. In fact, this whole idea has been built on the two words of Jesus where he says, come, follow me, follow me, those two words. And so this is how we've kind of summarized this idea. Salvation is free. It costs me nothing. Following Jesus will cost me something. And this is not only true, but it's remarkable when you think about this statement. It's remarkable in so many different ways. I mean, you think about salvation is free. It costs me nothing. The idea that we can be forgiven, that we can spend eternity with God in heaven, to be part of God's family, that's free and it's available to everyone who will embrace it. I mean, that's pretty remarkable when you stop and think about that statement. But then once you make that choice to follow Jesus, Jesus is very clear that following him is going to cost us something. And while following Jesus will cost us something, what we've learned over these past few weeks is this, not to follow him will cost us even more. So today as we wrap up this series, what we want to do is we want to look at one of Jesus' most important statements about following him. And I really believe this is one of his most important statements. Because in this statement, Jesus is very clear about what will happen in us. What will change in us if we sincerely follow him. Now, the statement that we're going to look at is found in Matthew's account of Jesus inviting Peter and Andrew to follow him. In fact, I want you to notice what Matthew says, starting in chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Some of your translations, if you're following along, it might say, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, here's why or what makes this invitation from Jesus to follow so important, not just for these guys, but for us as well. See, Jesus is letting Peter and Andrew know up front, if you sincerely follow me, what you are most passionate about right now when you start following me, it will drastically change. Because see, Jesus knows that a person who is sincerely following him will progressively behave, they will progressively believe, and they will love people more and more like Jesus loves people. So Jesus comes along and he says to Peter and Andrew, he says, I want you to follow me. 
But guys, here's the thing you need to understand about what happens when you start following me. What you're most passionate about now, what you desire the most in your life right now, what drives you right now, if you follow me, it will drastically change. He says, I will, I will make you, I will send you. He said, there's going to be a drastic change in your passions and what you desire if you follow me. Now, in week one of this conversation, we challenged you to ask yourself this question. Am I following Jesus really? Not, not to ask yourself, how much scripture do I know? Not have I prayed the prayer, but am I actively, intentionally engaged in the process of following Jesus? And, and many of you, from conversations we've had, you've been diligently processing this question. You've really been asking yourself, because each one of these conversations over the last four weeks has been very challenging, and you've been asking yourself, am I sincerely following? Now, one way to answer this question Am I following Jesus really? It's through the invitation that Jesus said to Peter and Andrew. And by asking this next question, what drives your life? Like what drives your life? Because Jesus says, if I'm following Jesus, my passions change. So the question might be, what drives your life right now? Because everything or every one of us, we have something in our life that drives us. So what's driving yours? And if you don't know, you really need to know because something is driving your life. And whatever that thing is that is driving your life, I mean, it impacts what you focus on the most, the commitments that you make, the opportunities you take, the dollars you spend, the time you invest. I mean, for some of you, your life, it may be driven by ambition. For others of you, it may be driven by loneliness or by pain. Or others of you, it might be driven by pleasure or the pursuit of control. For some of you, it might be driven by the applause of other people. For some of you, what drives your life is the love of your family or the desire to be financially secure, to be driven by faith or fear or security or status or, or income or image. All of those things can be things that drive our life. But here's the thing you have to understand. The thing that drives your life is the most powerful force in your life. Don't miss that. Whatever drives your life, it is the most powerful force in your life. It is the thing that at your core causes you to do what you do and to think the way that you think. Because here's why. What drives your life, it defines you. It will shape your character. It will determine how you think. It will influence what you do. Ultimately, it will define you, especially what you are passionate about. But not only does it define you, but it also, it delivers you. It delivers you to a predictable destination. See, if you can figure out what drives your life, you can predict with almost 100% accuracy where you're going to end up by the end of the month, by the end of the year, in 10 years, at the end of your life. You can predict what kind of person you're going to be, the kind of relationships that you'll have, the kind of legacy that you'll leave with your life. Which is why Jesus tells Andrew and Peter in his invitation to follow, he says, if you sincerely follow me, guys, I just got to warn you up front. 
It will change what you are the most passionate about. It will change what drives your life. So the question again is, what drives your life? Or or maybe if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you should ask this question this way. Has your primary passion changed since you started following Jesus? Has your primary passion changed since you started following Jesus? Literally, has your primary drive become to behave like, believe like, but you didn't stop there? See, that's where a lot of people stop. And that makes them stagnant. But also, not just behave like and believe like, but love people like Jesus did. Now, you need to understand something. Not only is it important for us to understand what drives our life, but one of the reasons that Jesus walked on this earth was to show us what it looks like when a life is driven by the right motivation. To show us through Jesus what God's primary heart, what his primary motivation was. In fact, in week one of this series, we looked at the story of Jesus when he invited Matthew, the text collector, to come follow him. Remember that story? And in that experience, Jesus clearly states what drove him, what motivated him. And so today what we're going to do, we're going to go back to the story that we started the series out with. So if this story sounds familiar, it is because we covered it in week one, but there's some more things we want to unpack. But instead of looking at it from Matthew's perspective, which we did in week one, today we're going to look at it from Luke's perspective. So follow along. Here's what Luke says. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, we know him as Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Now, as we said in week one, if if you made a list of unqualified people to love and care about in the first century, well, tax collectors, they were on the top of the list. So this crowd, seeing Jesus begin to interact with Matthew, they would have expected to Jesus walk up to Matthew and, and to start preaching to Matthew a sermon like on greed or to give him some kind of lecture on integrity. Nobody expected Jesus to say to Matthew what he said next. His next words were this, follow me. Now, you have to understand something about that culture. In that culture, this was not just an invitation to a friendship, but this was also an invitation to mentorship. This was an invitation to join the team. So all the Jewish people who are standing around hearing this, they're thinking, are you serious, Jesus? Like, he can't be in your inner circle. Why would you invite him to come along? He doesn't deserve it. You don't want him part of your inner circle. He's a tax collector. But here's the powerful thing about Jesus because of his passion that he had, the thing that motivated him, as we're going to see what it is in just a moment. See, Jesus doesn't see people as they are. He sees them as they could be. Jesus doesn't see you just as you are. He sees you as you could be. And Matthew had observed that, I'm sure, in Jesus. And I think that's why Matthew got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, now here's what I love about this interchange. And it's exactly what Jesus told Peter and Andrew would happen when someone started following him. I think Matthew started thinking, 
man, I've got a bunch of friends who are driven by the same thing that I have been driven by, greed and, and want for more, and it's all about me, and, and I was so empty, but there's something about this Jesus. So maybe his thought was, how can I get Jesus and all of these people who are driven by the same thing that leaves them empty in the same room together? Because if these guys and ladies, they could meet Jesus, they probably wouldn't believe me on the front end, but I think they would love him like I love him. So Matthew does what Matthew does best. He takes his money and he throws a party because guess what? All his sinner friends and all his tax collector friends, they know how to party. And so they all show up for the parties, right? Notice what happens in verse 29. Then Levi, referring to Matthew, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others, we'll figure out the others in a little bit, and something that Luke says were sinners, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But notice what happens next. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors, and here's the others, and sinners? And we don't know how Jesus overhears this criticism, but he hears this criticism, he hears this question, and so he jumps in to answer it. And in doing so, Jesus shows us exactly what drove his life. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus in this statement is very clear. He says, I am here to help people who aren't healthy spiritually get healthy. I'm here to help people who don't know God know God. I'm here to help people who are going in the wrong direction in their life start living a better way. In fact, that's what the word repentance means. It means to change directions. He says, so here's the deal. I am here to help people just like Matthew and all of, his all of his friends experience a relationship with God and experience God's plan and God's purpose for their life to help them see that following me leads to a better life. And I'm here to help them know that God wants to use them to help someone else follow Jesus. So let's go back to our question that we started this series with. Am I following Jesus really? Because see, Jesus makes it very clear, not just to Peter and Andrew, but also to Matthew and all the people that gathered his house that day. When you sincerely follow Jesus, not only will you start believing and behaving like Jesus, but you will start loving people enough to go out of your way to make sure that they are introduced to Jesus. See, when you start following Jesus, what drives your life will change. So again, what drives your life? And let me just say, if it is something other than what Jesus was passionate about, seeking and saving that which was lost, calling sinners to repentance, helping the unhealthy spiritually get healthy, I think the big question for you as a Christ follower today is, are you willing to let the passion and the focus that drives Jesus become your passion and your focus? 
Because I'm telling you, this whole thing of reaching lost people for Jesus Christ, it's a large part of what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, you could say based on this interchange that part of the definition of spiritual maturity, which is we have completely left out in church world, we think spiritual maturity is behaving like and believing like and knowing enough Bible to make sure we can behave like and believe like. But Jesus comes along and he changes the definition. He goes, spiritual maturity is the person who is as passionate about people far from God as Jesus was. That totally changes maturity. To be as passionate about people who are far from God as Jesus was. So using that as the definition, how spiritually mature are you really? Well, don't miss this. God has you exactly where you are this year for a reason. There is a purpose to where you have been placed. There are some people in your life or who are going to be in your life who need to know that God is for them. And God wants to help use you to help them understand and know that. His plan for helping them know that, that he loves them and is for them, it's you. So the question again, like what drives your life? And maybe the challenge today is, will you follow Jesus and let God use you? Will, will you make yourself available? Like, will you begin to let God change whatever is driving your life to be driven by his purpose for your life? So as the final challenge for the series, what I want to do is I want to invite you to join me in doing one simple thing as we follow Jesus this year. And it's, it's not just something that I've committed to. It's something that I've committed to. Uh, Brian, Dustin, Philip, all of our lead pastors on all of our other campuses, they have committed to this. Like this is our number one thing. Our commitment is we are going to measure ourselves by this one thing. And we're committed to it. And so if you go in a different direction with what you're committed to doing at this church, then I'm just going to tell you, it's going to kind of be awkward for you because this is what we're committing to. And here's the other thing I can promise you. If, if you do this, it's going, to be it's going to begin shifting what drives your life. It really will start shifting that. Because while what we're going to talk about is simple, here's what I would tell you. You're going to have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to help you do this. And you're going to have to become more other people focused as you go about your day and as you go through your week. It's, it's not really complicated, but it does require having the Holy Spirit lead and guide your life every day. And you also need to know something else about this. This one thing that we're going to challenge you to join us in, all of us pastors are challenging you to join us in, is a keystone habit for your life and for this church. In fact, years ago when we started this church, when I started leading this church and we made the commitment to be a reaching church instead of a keeping church, we said if we ever quit doing this, we would close the doors to our church. And, and here's the thing, we've drifted away from this. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but what is this? 
This one thing, it's a keystone habit. So let me just tell you what a keystone habit is. A keystone habit, it's a habit that has like a cascading influence that affects everything. And I can tell you, if we live out this habit that we're going to talk about, it's going to ensure that every one of us stay engaged in the mission that we are called to and will be driven by the passion and the purpose of Jesus. So here's the habit. The habit is invest and invite. And really what this habit means is this. You love your friends, you love your neighbors, you love your coworkers, you love your fellow students enough to get to the place of inviting them to church. Not because they're a project, but for the same reason that you tell them or you invite them to like your favorite restaurant. You don't want them to miss out on something great. I mean, think about it. Why would any of us want some that, someone that we love, someone that Jesus died for, to miss out on feeling and knowing that they are loved by God and in a friendship relationship with him? Not, none of us want that, do we? But here's the truth. We get distracted from that. And we let, start letting the wrong things drive our lives. So some of you are saying, well, how do we live out this habit? Because, yeah, I can see it. I've drifted from that. Well, first of all, and you probably want to write some of this stuff down. The first thing you do is you begin with prayer. You begin with prayer. And every day you pray for God to give you an opportunity to have a conversation about his love for people. And you pray specifically for the people that he's placed in your life that need him. And then you look for opportunities. After you pray, you start looking for opportunities that God is going to give you to invite. Like you invite them to coffee and have a conversation about life and God. Or you invite them to church and you have a conversation about what they heard. And then you eventually invite them to choose to follow Jesus Christ. And I'll just go and tell you, this is not as hard as you think it is. In fact, if you listen for the right things as, as you're talking with people each day, it can open up the doors for an invitation. In fact, let me show you what you listen for and then what to say. You listen for what is called the three knots. Someone saying, I'm not in church or I'm not prepared for, or it's not going well. So whenever you hear someone say, we're not in church, we haven't been able to find a church, or we used to go, but we don't go anymore, we gave up on church, whatever it is, that is your cue to invite. The second cue is you hear people say, I'm not prepared for, I'm really not prepared for this new job I just took, or I'm not prepared for retiring, or I'm not prepared for graduating or leaving home, or I'm not prepared for getting married, or I'm not prepared, don't feel prepared to have a kid, or I don't feel prepared to be a parent. See, anytime someone is feeling attention because they're not prepared, that's another cue for you to invite. And then the third cue is things are not going well. My, my job is not going well. My classes aren't going well. My marriage is not going well. Our finances aren't going well. You know, parenting is not going well. Whenever someone tells you about something that's not going well, and let's just go ahead and raise hands on every campus about this. How many times do you hear that in a week? Every day? Yeah. You know, somebody's going to tell you basically every day of every week something that's not going well. Guess what? That's your cue 
to invite. So here's how it works. You pray for people and you ask God to help you hear these three cues. And then you invite. And here's how you invite. It's really simple. Here's what you say. You just look at the person and say, why don't you come to church and sit with me? Let's say this all together on all of our campuses so that we get this down pat. Okay, everybody ready? All campuses involved. Why don't you come to church and sit with me? Fair hope, you're a little farther away. I need to hear you louder, okay? Let's do it all again, folks. Let's get Fair Hope on board. Here we go. Why don't you come to church and sit with me? So someone says, not in church right now. You say something like, well, I'm so sorry that you had a bad experience or I'm so sorry you haven't been able to find one anywhere. Why don't you come to my church and sit with me? Because uh, you're telling them, I promise you, I'll sit with you. I'll help you feel like you can belong or someone comes along and says, I just don't feel prepared for this next transition in my life that I'm facing. I don't feel prepared to get through this next challenge. And you look at them, everybody sit with me. Why don't you come to my church and sit with me? I promise you, if you come, it'll help you feel more prepared. And, and I'll walk down the journey of life with you. Or someone comes along and goes, man, things just aren't going well. Yeah, I am so sorry. And after maybe having a little bit of a conversation with them, you look at them and say, everybody, why don't you come to my church and sit with me? Because I promise you, if you come to church and sit with me, man, I can help you and our church can help you figure out how to tackle this problem. So when you came in today on your seats, there were two cards. Let's talk about them. The first one is that I want to talk about is the one that says bad blood on it. That's an invite card. Next week, we're starting a four-week conversation with how, on how to deal with things in relationship when they go bad, when there's bad blood in a relationship. That's why we're calling it bad blood, right? So this week, whenever you hear someone talking about a relationship they are struggling with, and believe me, every day of this week, you're going to hear someone talking about a relationship they're struggling with, it's a perfect time or a perfect setup to invite them. Tell them about this series. Say, man, I'm sorry you're having that, but we're going to be talking about that for the next four, four weeks. So, everybody, by memory, why don't you come to my church and sit with me? See, you got it. You got it. All of you got it. All of our campus have it. So you invite them and then you hand them the card so that they have a reminder because each of you on your campuses, you have your service times on the back of the card and reminder of the service that you go to. You can even circle the time. Say, hey, I'll meet you at the front door and I'll take you to lunch afterwards and we can talk about it. So let them know that you would love to sit with them, talk about it later if they want. Uh, listen, we have tried to make this invitation as easy as possible for you this week because this is an issue everybody deals with every day of their life. So feel free to take more cards. If you need more cards, I'm sure there's some in the lobby at your campus that you could take. But we also gave you another B4 Your 4 card. And here's what we want you to do with this card. Would you write the names of four people that you know that are not in church? Four people that you will commit to being for this year. Four people that God puts you in contact on a regular basis. And so throughout this year, not only you will be praying for them, but you're making a commitment to be for them. 
So just write down their names, put it on this card, and then put this card somewhere where you see this card every day. And this will be your prompt to pray for God to give you opportunities, not just to share it with these four, but other people that God may bring in your life that shares one of the three knots. Now, we believe this can change your life. And this is what part of following Jesus is. And as you do this, as you begin to say on a daily basis, on a weekly basis to people, I am sorry that you're not prepared. I'm sorry that you haven't been able to find a church. I'm sorry that things aren't going well. Why don't you come to my church? Everybody say the last words with me and sit with me. And we're going to give you invite cards so that you can be having those to invite people so they'll know what we're going to be talking about. But this, this prayer part, It's going to make you aware of those cues that you're going to hear every day. Now, let me just help you understand how the impact that this can have on your life and those that are around you. See, this is exactly what Peter and Andrew and Matthew decided they wanted to drive their lives. And while many of us, we've heard about the great impact that Peter had, the influence that he had on the early church and the influence that he's had on the church over the last 2,000 years, Most of the time, we don't hear about the influence that Matthew had on the church and the gospel spreading. See, Matthew spent three years following Jesus. And guess what happened? His drive, his passion changed. And after the resurrection, Matthew, he spent the rest of his life telling people what he had seen and what he'd heard Jesus do. Matter of fact, some historians, they believe that Matthew was the first person to take the gospel message of Jesus into Syria, Iran, and Ethiopia. See, that's how God used a greedy, lying, cheating traitor of the Jewish people once he decided to follow Jesus. Matthew accepted the invitation, and what happens to every person who sincerely starts following Jesus, it happened to Matthew. In fact, I, I think if we were able to sit down and have a conversation with Matthew, it would be something like this. I think, I think he'd say, Matthew, so what happened to you? You're, I mean, you radically changed. Matthew go, well, Jesus just invited me to start following him. And I just felt my heart change. And I knew I was empty, but man, what Jesus was calling me to do I wanted my life to be filled with something so much better, driven by something so much better. And now my life is driven by God's purpose for me to seek and to save that which is lost. And there's never been anything more fulfilling in my life. So here's what I say to you today. No matter who you are, no matter what your past has been, what Jesus said to Matthew what, me, what Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, he says to you, he says, hey, just come follow me. Just come follow me. And I will change your passions. I will send you out to fish for people. Listen, what drives Jesus should drive those of us who follow him. His purpose should be ours. And he's inviting us to join him in that. Now, let me just tell you how important this is in this season of our church. It's important because one invitation can change everything. Don't miss this. In the past four years, and the reason I went back four years is because it includes all of our churches. In the past four years, we have had 2,449 people 
attend a service and tell us here they were for the, here for the very first time. And you know why most of them said they were here for the very first time? Because somebody invited them. In fact, that's why many of you came for the very first time. But here's what we know. We've barely scratched the surface because there are still over 150,000 people in our communities who are not in church today. They are good people, but they're lost in their relationship with God. And it's impacting them and it's impacting their families. Their marriages are struggling. They're fighting with their kids. I mean, not even sure what to do with their life as parents. I mean, like they have everything they could want but they still cannot find meaning and purpose. They cannot find fulfillment that's meaningful in their life. Some of them are addicted to drugs and alcohol and they desperately want to break free, but they don't have the power to do that on their own and they don't have a community of people to help them do that. Some of them are carrying enormous guilt from past decisions and regrets. I mean, they got guilt from abortions and affairs and divorces and family turmoil. There are wives out there who've tried for years to get their husbands to go to church with them, but they, all they need is another man to invite that man because that man needs to understand that church is for men as well. I mean, there are parents who are on the verge of just losing their 16, 17, 18 year old old children because their children are so bored and stressed out with life. But here's the thing. Over this next year, those people could show up here and they could discover, discover God's love and they could discover God's grace all because you invited them. Listen, you have no idea what hangs in the balance of an invite. You have no idea who hangs in the balance of an invite. You have no idea. And I just believe that we are at a critical season And that God has put us in a unique position in order to impact our communities in far bigger ways than we ever, ever dreamed possible. But I'm going to tell you, we're in a a, a critical stage because I think what has happened, and I've talked to some guys who've done the multi-site studies and things, is what has happened is because we've went multi-site, we have multiple churches now, we've substituted a personal invite to the people in our communities with launching more campuses. And that's not the same. Two completely different things. So we're at a critical place. And here's why I say this, because last year we had the lowest number of first-time guests that we've ever had, and we had more campuses, which told me we had quit living out this habit. So it's a critical season. And here's the thing, whether this happens or not, whether we live out this or not, or we just settle for what we've done in the past, here's the thing, it doesn't just depend on me and Brian and Philip and Dustin as the lead pastors of all of our campuses. It really depends on you. You're the church. It depends on whether you're willing to serve and give and connect And most importantly, do the most critical thing that we need to do. And if we don't do this, we just need to close our doors. And that's invite. So here's the thing. If you haven't fully engaged here and you just come here and you sit and you consume and then you leave, listen, we need you more than ever. They need you. The people in our communities, they need you more than ever. Jesus is inviting you to follow. The 
question is, will you follow? Because Jesus says, if you follow me, I will send you out. I will make you. It's not if it's going to happen. If you're a follower, it is going to happen. So today the question is, will you follow? Will you serve? Will you give? Will you connect? And some of you go, I'm doing all that. But here's the thing, the one that matters the most, not just for our church, but for our communities, for eternity, for people, will you invite? Jesus is inviting us as a church today to follow. The question, will we get up? Will we go out in our community this week? We'll begin to pray for the four people that we're going to be for. And then will we make inviting a habit of our lives? See, that's our commitment as leaders of this church. And we're praying that if you sincerely call yourself a follower of Jesus, you'll make that commitment as well. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this conversation we've been able to have over these last few weeks and the clarity that you've brought to us of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. I pray that today, God, you will have stunned us at the core of our being by giving us a new definition of what spiritual maturity is. That no longer our, our definition will be how many Bible studies we go to or how many books of the Bible we're studying at this point in present time or any of the things that we've used to calculate maturity, but that we'll use the definition of spiritual maturity as being as passionate for those who are far from Jesus as Jesus was. God, I, I thank you. I thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that can become just this incredible passion. And he gives us meaning and fulfillment. God, I, I just pray that we heed the words that the writer of Hebrews said, that we will love, that we'll be passionately, intentionally, purposefully set to love others so that we don't become dull and stagnant. God, we, we commit today to following you. And we commit to allowing you to change our heart and our passions as a church. And we're excited about what you're going to do in and through our churches throughout this year as we do the most important thing when it comes to following you. And that's inviting people to experience Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone. Have a great week inviting people to our new series next week called Bad Blood. We'll see you then. This is just the start. Don't let them keep you down. Don't let them push you out. We were made to live, to be free.